This is episode 36 with Evian Whitney on becoming a sexually liberated woman. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. If sexuality is one dimension of our ability to live passionately, then in cutting off our sexual feelings, we diminish our overall power to feel, know, and value deeply. That is a quote by Judith Plaskow. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you're all doing fantastic. In today's episode, we're joined by sexuality doula Evian Whitney. We discussed the inspiration behind her teachings and dive into her journey on becoming a sexually liberated woman herself. Mixed in with some laughs as she reflects on the past, Evian shares some great books and resources for women like me who are ready to uncover their sexual selves. If you enjoy this episode, I suggest that you share it with at least one friend who you think could really, really benefit from any of the messages and advice shared. Without any further delay, here is my chat with Evian. Hi, everyone. I am here with today's lovely guest, Evian Whitney. Hi. Thank you so much for being on today's show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you today. For those who haven't previously come across your work, can you give them a bit of a glimpse into who you are? Yeah, so uh, as you said, my name is Evian Whitney. I am a sexuality doula, so someone who helps women and femmes transition out of sexual shame and into their erotic power. Um, And I work in a few different mediums. One of my favorite ways to work is to work with people one-on-one, so doing private sessions with folks to help them dig deep on whatever's holding them back from expressing themselves sexually. Um, And then also I do um, a podcast uh, that speaks about the sexually liberated woman and, you know, highlights and celebrates her and just creates interesting discussions about sex positivity, sensuality, self-care, things like that. So I have my, I have my hand in many different pots. Oh, another thing, I teach um, classes about sensuality. And also recently I started teaching um, classes about uh, sensual self-portraiture and using that as a means of sexual acceptance and uh, sensual embodiment and just like saying, you know what, I'm going to love the hell out of my body and, um, you know, release some of the shame that I have about it. So again, yeah, I have a lot of um, hands in different pots, but yeah, that's basically the, the gist of my work. So amazing. I, I'm just so inspired by everything you do, honestly. Uh, I've never come across anyone who has taken the time to to, to cater to the needs of women in this way. And quite frankly, it is needed. I know it's definitely needed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's why I connect so much to your podcast and all of the work that you do, because you are not only relatable, but you're so tender with the way that you, you assist and that you um, suggest mm-hmm. healing, you know, and yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, and I actually, I get that feedback a lot from people, like, cause I know there's a lot of people out there who 
work in this realm of sexual healing. And um, I mean, there's all different kinds of ways to do that. But I think the reason why people are attracted to the work that I do is because of that gentleness. Like I, I see a lot of people tackle sexual dysfunction from a very aggressive kind yeah, of point. exactly. And I, I, I really sort of work from the place of um, wanting the same kind of healing and space holding like wanting that, that kind of space holding that I, I give my clients. So like, I think every time I'm on the phone with a client, I think about like, okay, if I were on the other side of this, how would I want to be received? How would I want to be witnessed and held? And so that's kind of like one of the philosophies about the work that I do is to be very gentle, but also show up and challenge um, a lot of these not so gentle (laughs) ideas about sexuality that have kept us held back for so long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely comes across in your work. So Sex Love Liberation started off as a place for you to essentially chronicle your journey into sexual healing and awakening. And now we are lucky to have access to that beautiful process and all of those thoughts of yours that came up about because of it. But can you bring us on the path that led up to you deciding this was something that you were actually going to put out into the world? Yeah, so there's there's one like origin story that has two parts of it. So the, the first part is that I was kind of already tiptoeing around the subject of sexuality and particularly my own sexual awakening. And I just so happened to know um, a colleague of mine who is doing a sex journalistic type of series on the internet about women and pornography. And so she asked me to pen a couple of essays for her about masturbation, about porn, about sexuality um, from a woman's perspective. And um, I was super interested in the series because it was something that I really wanted to talk about. It was something that I really wanted to put some time into because I was recognizing that this was a part of me that needed to be deeply healed. So I said yes, um, with the intention of creating a totally new digital space for me to house these essays, because at the time I was fashion blogging, my mom read that blog. Um, It would have been very inappropriate (laughs) for her to read essays about masturbation and porn and stuff like that. So um, I created a brand new website, uh, very randomly called it Sex Love Liberation. I didn't even really think about the title. It was just like, okay, let's just do that. And then, you know, create a a blog. And um, that's how, that's pretty much how the blog started. And I really, my intention was to just have that website house those essays. I wasn't even sure if I was going to like um, revealing myself in this way. And I guess that brings me to the two part or the, the second part, which was that I realized that after writing these essays, how much, um, how many hangups I had about sexuality. And I also really enjoyed exploring myself in this way, very publicly too, because um, I'm a writer, I've always been a writer, and it was something there's something very special to me about being very vulnerable and open about my process, especially after I got, um, I guess, feedback from people who were saying things like, oh my gosh, your essays are amazing. This is exactly where I'm at. This is exactly how I was brought up. I'm having some issues in this area. So it came from like a part of just like happenstance, like someone was randomly like, hey, there's this thing I want you to be a part of. And there was also this part of me that realized like, whoa, this is something that I need to 
um, spend some time in thinking about, journaling about, talking about, and actually finally giving space to um, in ways that I hadn't before. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, so it turned into therapy for you, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't anticipate um, after those essays, I did not anticipate that this was going to be a thing. I thought that it was just like, you know, a few essays and that's about it. And um, I ended up really enjoying the process of coming back home to myself as a sexual person and um, being able to call into question a lot of these things that were keeping me from being sexually free. And it just kind of like skyrocketed from there. It turned into a business and it turned into a healing modality and it turned into a really um, helpful community for other people. So yeah, it's, I often say that this work chose me that I didn't choose it because yeah. I actually didn't think like, I, when I grow up, <laughs> I'm a sexuality doula, like the trajectory of my work and my life was totally different. Um, but I'm very grateful that I heeded the call, I guess. <laughs> I'm grateful that you did too. <laughs> well, on that note, what, what was the vision that you had for your life and your career prior to uncovering this deeply meaningful work? Oh, Lord, it was so different. Um, so I actually went to school to be a hairstylist. Um, I was one of those kids right after high school where my parents were bugging the hell out of me. They wanted me to find a career. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, I didn't have I knew that I wanted to do something around writing. But I also knew that like writing doesn't like you don't make a lot of money writing. Mm -hmm. And so I was very daunted about like, okay, I, I know what I'm passionate about, but I know that that's probably not going to pay the bills. And I also hated the idea of, I mean, I hated school in general. So the idea of going into college for however many years to get a journalism degree, I just wasn't having it. And so I felt very pressured by my parents to figure it out. And I was just like, well, I like doing makeup. So I guess I can just like get into that. And um, I ended up going to cosmetology school. And um, after I graduated from that, I was doing hair for a few months before I realized like, oh yeah, this is not <laughs> what I want to be doing with my life. Um, and then I ended up having a crisis of identity. I wasn't even sure what I wanted to do with my life. And I felt really bad because I'm like, wow, I poured all of these hours and all of this money into doing hairstyling and I hated it. So um, as a way to kind of figure out what I was going to do next, because I still had um, I still had my hairstyling license, I started working in salons as a receptionist to see like, okay, maybe, maybe if I just like take a little break from hairstyling, but still stay in the industry, like maybe I'll learn to love it again. And um, during the time that I was doing receptionist work and stuff like that was when I started my, uh, my fashion blog. And so after that, like it just kind of turned into writing and then figuring out like, oh, I want to write about sex and yeah. I am today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how have you been able to reconcile with that? Was there ever a time where you were doubting if this was the right move? Um, yes, because in the beginning, I wasn't making money. I mean, yeah. and so for me, you know, we live in a capitalist society. And as much as I love to be like, I'm a writer, I will always be a writer, writing is my passion. I wasn't quite sure if I could actually make money doing that and, and make money in like a real 
quick kind of way because um, when I was really getting into uh, sex love liberation and I was writing for that blog, um, you know, I didn't have a job. I was, I was kind of in between jobs. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so during that time when I was like, oh my God, how, what am I going to do with my life next? I started to feel really bad about um, the choice that I made to, to leave hairstyling. And honestly, when I first started the blog and I started thinking about making writing my career, I always had my cosmetology license in the background. Like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to give this a couple months. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to cosmetology. I still have a license. I yeah. could just like work at Supercuts or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it, I had that as a safety net if I wanted to, but I really did not want to go back mm-hmm. back in that realm. So um, I'm glad that things turned out the way that they did. And um, I was able to kind of manage some of the doubts that I had based on having that safety net. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like so many people would have probably handled it the same way. but. I mean, the difference is, I guess, a lot of people just opt out. They just feel like, you know what, this is just, um, they kind of give into the initial fear totally. of it. And they're just like, you know what, it's not worth it. Let me just go to stability instead. Yeah. I mean, and there are times when I, I was very close to being like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, like as much as I love writing and as much as I'm building a community around this and it's obviously affecting people in really positive ways, like I don't really know where this is going to go. And so there are many times during that, the first year of doing this work that, um, and by work, I mean, just writing at that point, I hadn't started, um, I hadn't started really doing anything big at that point in terms of like private sessions or anything, but, um, I would go periodically on Craigslist and just look for, uh, hairstyling jobs or like, um, what's it called? Uh, like, Oh, what is that word when like you work, project to project. Freelancing? Yes, freelancing. Yes. So I was looking at freelancing jobs and things like that. And every time I would look, I just, it wasn't interesting to me. There wasn't something in my body that was like, yes, go in that direction. That's what you want to do. I just, there was a lot of question marks over my head about it. So I just kept on this path and um, I guess saw where it went, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I want to say like, this is I recognize how privileged I am to be able to have done that. I mean, it's, you know, I I was grateful to live with a partner who was working and could like, you know, use his financial situation as a buffer for me when I wasn't working at the time. And so I definitely recognize that there are a lot of moving parts in my ability to, to do this kind of work. It's not for everyone and everyone doesn't have that luxury of being like, I'll take a year or two and see where I go and we'll see what happens. Um, But I am grateful that I stuck with it and that I didn't feed into fear because I was definitely freaking out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I bet. I mean, that's really important though to highlight as well, because I mean, at the end of the day, we all have different commitments and there are different responsibilities that, you know, obviously vary from person to person. But um, for, for those people who I guess can make that leap and can choose to change things up that align more so with the things that they are interested in doing or uncover something about their themselves that really eventually lead to uh, a social change and, and in a lot of ways, is there anything that you suggest that they do that you maybe um, came to terms with or realized during this time? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing for me is to just keep your finger on the pulse of your dreams and on on your own personal desires and aspirations, um, even in spite of fear. I mean, I, I was prepared to continue to do this blog alongside doing, you know, nine to five work. Like I was yeah. really dedicated to doing that just because I knew that regardless if people were tuning into my blog or not, like this was work that needed to, needed to be done for me um, to better my own um, well-being and my relationship and the impression that I had about myself. So um, no matter what, I was going to stay on that path, even if it meant that it didn't make me any money, even if it meant that nothing ever came from it other than, you know, having a sort of successful blog on the internet. Yeah. I knew that I needed to continue to do this work because it was important for me to heal myself in that way. So I think for anyone who has something in mind, a creative aspiration or creative passion that they really want to do, I mean, I say just continue to do it and see if you can integrate your dreams, your creative passion within the work that you're already doing. Even if it means like you take one hour out of every day to devote to that one thing, I mean, just giving it some time and your energy is huge. I mean, it's, it's better to, to do that than to be like, Oh, I have a nine to five. I guess this is what I'm doing now. Right. Right. I mean, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people nowadays, I guess even me at some point, I was just kind of comparing myself to people that I saw online. Like, let's say people come across your page and they're just like, wow, she's so successful. And, you know, um, they, they want to do something similar, let's say, mm -hmm. but they, they, they put so much pressure on it and they don't realize mm -hmm. that it was a gradual process. It was a journey. It yeah. Start out like how it is right now. There was oh, a board now. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, I feel like so many people would look at somebody like you and say, Oh my gosh, I mean, I want to do what she did. And then they give it a try. They start a blog and mm -hmm. six months in, nobody's reading it. And they're like, oh, forget it. This is not, how, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for perspective, it took me seven years to get to where I'm at today. I've been doing this work for seven years. And like when wow. I first started, I had like very, very little subscribers. I mean, I had some people who came over from my fashion blog into this uh, new journey of sexual exploration, but a lot of people were like, nah, I don't want anything to do with this. I even remember once um, seeing comments on like a forum about me, like from people who were like, I loved her fashion blog. Why is she doing this nasty ass like oh sexuality God. blog? So like there are a lot of people who were just not having it. And so um, I, I didn't have much of a following. I, I pretty much started from nothing. So if anyone is like, oh man, this, you know, what Evian has and the business that she's created, like it was so easy. Like, no, it took lots of years, seven plus years to do this kind of work. I would actually argue more than that because um, I, I've been writing for a very long time. So, I mean, even before that, I was having to do work around like, who, who am I as a writer? What is my voice? So if anyone thinks that this happened overnight or even within the last like couple of years, like I really want people to know that like it takes so much time and so much energy to get to this point, you know? Yeah. That's so important for people to, to know because in a, in a society and in a time that instant gratification is such a prevalent thing amongst every, everything really. 
uh, I think people also apply that to their careers and not only their careers, but when they align with their dreams, they, they assume that because now they know what they want to do, it's all going to unfold very quickly. Yeah, it's that that's, I mean, it would be nice. (laughs) And sometimes it does, you know, I, I definitely have colleagues who put up a blog and then in six months they're like, Oh yeah, I'm getting all these, you know, offers and making so much money. But like, no, for the majority of people, it takes a lot of time. And for even more people, like when they recognize how much time it takes to, to get to where they want to be in terms of their goals, they tap out and understandably, you know, because they recognize how much work it takes and how much they're going to have to be super dedicated to their craft in order for them to get to where they want to be. So I say for folks who are like really wanting to, go after whatever goal that is, whether that has to do with their career or something else totally different, like to just stick with it, you know, and um, just do your best to take small steps toward, you know, realizing that dream in whatever capacity you can. Yeah, I I, uh, second that for (laughs) sure, because it's so important. Mm. Um, So going back to, I don't want to dwell on this too much, I guess, but uh, going back to what you said about those people writing those comments on (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um do you ever feel like people are judging you because oh yeah so like right before we started this this conversation I looked on my Instagram and got a really nasty comment from some guy who called me a dumb bitch and yeah I get comments like that I mean lately I don't get them all that much because I feel like I've been doing this long enough to where it's weeded out a lot of people like eventually trolls are just like oh she's not listening so I'm gonna go bug someone else Mm -hmm. Um, but in the beginning oh my god I mean it was not only was I getting it from strangers so like people uh commenting on my blog posts or people like starting forums about me or something like that um it was also, I was getting it from my family, you know, I mean, my, the, the writing that I had done previously was very vanilla. I was talking about like recipes and my life as a newlywed and my cute little dog. And so when I moved in this other direction, I think my family assumed like, oh, this is just a continuation of her recipe blog. (laughs) And they were very, very horrified to see the kinds of things that I was talking about, you know, masturbation, um, me admitting that I watch porn and talking about my upbringing, like the fact that my parents didn't quite raise me with sex positivity. Um, so it, it definitely created some tension between um, my parents, um, not so much my sister, but definitely my immediate family, my aunts, my cousins and things like that, because they were just like, whoa, this is, this is, very different, <laughs> not yeah. something that we we agree with. Um, and I guess along the way, I've just kind of learned to tune those voices out. And I mean, just like today, I saw a comment and I had a hearty cackle, and I blocked them because yeah. it's like, you know, what else can you do? You know, I don't I don't really want to dwell on on those comments because I know that they're they're not productive, they're not of service to the work that I'm doing. And um, yeah, it just, it makes more sense for me to give it a laugh and, and move on with, with the work that I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you have tough skin because those people are so relentless and yeah. um, they're going to attack you no matter what. So yeah. as long as you obviously just keep your, your head down and do the work, I guess, it's just like, it doesn't even matter because you, mm-hmm. you know the value of what you're doing. You're not going to 
I guess, let them deter you in any way. Right. Well, I mean, in that, I, I guess, again, I can say that that tough skin took seven years to develop. You know, I mean, um, I, the first nasty comments that I got about my work, about my writing, um, really devastated me as, I mean, as I'm sure it would to anyone who's yeah. putting themselves out there in this very vulnerable way. And so it took a lot of time for me to be able to see those comments as not being, there's, there's actually a part of me, I think, as a way to cope with those comments, because I think it's one thing for someone to be like, your writing sucks, but it's another thing to be called like a dumb cunt or, you know, like you're disgusting or, you know, talking about my body or whatever. Um, and I, I think the way that I started to cope was just by seeing those comments as not being real. Like even today, there's this part of me when I got the comment, which was kind of crazy. I hadn't gotten a comment like that in a very long time, but there's this part of me that was like, oh, this is not a real person, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it totally is a real person. I'm sure there is someone out there in the world who has a family, maybe even kids <laughs> that wrote that comment. But as a way for me to just be able to keep going, I kind of look at those as like trolls, like bots, like right. who don't exist. Um, and that's, that's kind of helpful for me. I think that's, I think that helps me create kind of a tougher skin about it. Yeah, that's, that's a really good approach. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of people can probably put that to use because there's just, there are trolls everywhere. People mm -hmm. will always Indeed. be upset about something, especially when it comes to sex though. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. But I'm so glad that you have never let that stop you because <laughs> we need you. <laughs> <laughs> So many women, including myself, um, know that there's an intimate part to our beings and that it goes untapped and mostly because we don't know how to reach it and also because of the stigma that's been poured into understanding it in general. And I think that obviously this was something that you felt at some point in your life too. Um, but you know, for those of us who don't want to live like that anymore, how do you suggest that we embark on the journey of finding that part of ourselves? If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think you're talking about like the realization that there is an inherent part of us that is sensual or if, if not that, then at the very least, um, curious about embodying sensuality, um, curious about making ourselves feel good, both outside of a sexual context and inside of a sexual context, and wanting to explore our capacity for pleasure, um, wanting to explore our ability to fully be in our bodies and um, inhabit that space without question, without apology. Um, I mean, I think what started, what helped me a lot was um, reading lots of books. <laughs> I'm a bookworm, so um, what really got me on the journey of thinking about who I am as a sexual, sensual being was just immersing myself in the idea that I am already in this moment a sexual, sensual being, and then being able to figure out, okay, what things are blocking me from expressing that? What sort of belief systems or religious traditions or limiting beliefs are keeping me from knowing this to be true or expressing this out um, into the open world. And I mean, so many answers come up 
for me, come up for, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening about those questions, or maybe not, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe there's nothing's coming through, but I think it's important to continue to ask those questions as a way to figure out um, what is holding us back. And then once we figure out what's holding us back, then we can kind of uh, eradicate that block and, and at least, or at least work to begin to dismantle that block. Um, and for me, dismantling the blocks looked like reading books. It looked like getting educated about my body. It looked like getting educated about what my sexual identity is, what my sexual orientation is, what my sexual needs and desires are, the person that I want to be as a sexual and sensual woman. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just being able to be reflective and um, taking that time to sit down with yourself and have a dialogue about the things that um, you haven't really been giving space to, it's incredibly scary. And it's especially around the topic of sex because we've yeah. been shamed um, into believing that we can't access that. But the moment that we begin to take that time, the moment that those blockages will finally be released or at least begin to be dismantled. Yeah. Do you have any books that you recommend for us to start reading? Oh yeah. So many. Um, one of my favorite books that I come back to a lot is, uh, well, there's a, there's a bunch. Um, the first one that's coming to mind though is a book called Women's Anatomy of Arousal. And I really like that book because um, not only is it informative, but it's also very playful. I, so in the beginning, even way before I even started Sex Love Liberation and I started writing about this, I was reading tons of books about sexuality as a way to like figure out why I was sexually broken and why I didn't have a libido and why it was I felt so shy and ashamed when it came to sex. And a lot of the books about sex that I read were so like – they're, they're too damn serious. Like we're talking like you must do tantric breathing for four hours a day. <laughs> they were so not serious to the point where sex became kind of like a joke, like as a way for people to access talking about sexuality, they had to make it a punchline or they had to be really funny about it, which I mean, no shade to anyone who prefers to get information like that. But for me, I was like, okay, so I'm either super serious about it or I'm like laughing hysterically about dildos. Like what is the middle? <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to find something that works for me. And so um, Women's Anatomy of Arousal was like one of the first books I read that was a mix of like, it was a mix of serious, a mix of playful, a mix of goofy, but also it opened my eyes up to this, uh, the spiritual and kind of sacred side of sexuality. Because I think for so long I was taught that sex is like bad, dirty, immoral, sinful. So to be able to read a book that is talking about sex as a place of connection, as a place of like uh, spiritual exploration, uh, self-realization, that was like mind-blowing to me. It really uh, changed a lot of the, the impressions and the perspectives that I had about sex. Um, the other book that I actually recommend to like next to all of my clients is Come As You Are. Uh, that's by Emily Nagoski. And I do such a terrible job of explaining this book because um, it's so deep and it's so important and it's so informative. 
but it's such a good book. Um, I recommend that anyone who has trouble understanding arousal, anyone who has ever said like, why is it that like, sometimes I really want to have sex and then other times I feel repulsed by it or other times it's just not on my radar. This is an, an excellent book to kind of demystify um, women's arousal, women's desire and women's sexuality. Because I think for so long we've, we've heard this idea that like men's sexualities are easy and women's sexuality is complex. It's complicated. It's tricky. It's elusive. And yep. so this book really helped break a lot of the myths that I thought uh, about my own sexuality. And I, I got this book like two years ago. So the fact that like the, this book opened my mind, even after I've done like so many years of reading and research, like is just a testament to how powerful the book is. So I recommend that to, to everyone. I think those are really good places to start. Amazing. I am ordering them right after. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. They're so, so good. So good. I often imagine a world where women were never taught to be ashamed of themselves me too <laughs> every single every single day it would be such a different world i it mean would be such a different world it would be so so different so different yeah i mean one can only hope that eventually we'll get there and obviously with women like you dedicating their lives to helping us get there we will we will reach it. I know oh, it. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I hope that the work that's being done today by me and other folks who are like sex positive advocates and activists, like that will eventually get there. And, you know, honestly, like, I think it's important for people to know that sex wasn't always this problematic thing. It wasn't always this thing that people were ashamed of. Like there was a time when when sex work was seen as a sacred act to connect to God and that um, prostitutes, sex workers were seen as um, priestesses. And so I think about those times and like how incredible it was that like way, way, way back in the day, we were able to see women and women's sexuality as deeply connected to God, to spirituality, as something being very like sacred. Um, and I get really like, I mean, I, I wasn't even thought of, I mean, this was like thousands, <laughs> but I get like nostalgic, like, oh man, and what would it be like? Like, I would love to go back to those times. And, and I'm hoping that like the further we go into this like sexual revolution that we're constantly in, um, the deeper we'll get into hopefully bringing back essences of that time. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't always like this. We, we didn't always have issues around sexuality. There was a time where sex was celebrated and sex was easy to access in terms of like, we didn't have to go through blockages of shame in order for mm-hmm. us to feel pleasure, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just crazy because essentially that's what it is. I mean, sex is, it's so spiritual and mm-hmm. I feel like society has, has just created a whole other meaning of it to the point where people can't even find a way to get to the truth and it's in them. Mm -hmm. Like it's literally in them, but because we're, we're affirmed that it's this whole other thing all the time, everywhere Mm -hmm. we turn, everything we hear, we see is telling us that it's just this physical thing that has no layers to it. And, you know, it, it just like really starts to mess with us. And especially, I mean, as women, 
I really do think like we are, we are goddesses. And when we carry this, this feeling in our bodies and in our hearts and everything, although, you know, the world tells us it's one thing, we know that it's different, but you know, like that confusion begins to arise because we, we feel it. We know that it should be something different and yet it doesn't match up with how we're thinking because nobody has ever taught us to think any different and we can't look right. to our mothers and our grandmothers because they were taught the same thing. Exactly. Anything, they were they were living in a time that was even more restrained and like way more just I mean shameful. Mhm. Totally. Yeah, whenever I do this work um with within myself and facilitating other people's sexual liberation journeys, I always think about how like I'm not just healing myself and they're not just healing themselves, but they're healing their entire female lineage that came before them that told them these stories of shame and that were also taught without their consent, these stories of sexual shame too. So I'm very much of the belief that like, I'm not just healing myself, I'm healing other people in my ancestral line who didn't have the experience or didn't have the time or the ability to access sex, sexuality, sex positivity, um, and even just ownership of body and the ways yeah. that I do today. So yeah, you're, you're 100% on, on the mark right there. Do you feel like since you've embarked on just figuring all of this out and having this be your life's work, that there are women in your life that come to you with questions now? Yeah, what's so funny is that ever since I've been doing this work, I I feel like I've been able to, and I don't even know if I should take credit for this because I haven't actually like asked my mom, but I, I feel, intuitively I feel that I have helped liberate my mom's sexual stuff, baggage um, that she, she came with. And the reason why I feel that way is because um, I actually had her on my podcast and I interviewed her about the way that she was brought up about sex and uh, sexuality and also how she was brought up to think about and respond to her body, like her breasts, her vagina, and then also like the people that she was dating and things like that. And through that conversation, which was like, equal parts, heartbreaking, hilarious, deeply traumatizing in some ways, because there were a lot of things that came up that I had no idea. Like my mom uh, didn't tell me until that conversation. It was through that conversation that I realized like, wow, like not only is my mom a sexual being, but she is in, in her life right now, she is living her life the way that she wants to as a sexual being. And so it was yeah. really cool for me to, to see her in that new light and to also give her a platform to speak about the things that she had struggled with, the, the shaming beliefs that she was given from her mom, my grandmother, and, you know, religious traditions and all those kinds of things. And now, like, you know, I, I have a memory of my mom, like, telling me about an orgasm that she had one time and like for other people that would be like really weird and honestly it was a little weird for me because I'm like whoa <laughs> my mom I'm talking to because like we never really talked about sex so or orgasm like I didn't even I didn't even hear that word come out of my mother's mouth so um so to hear her talk about it was really cool and it it, it really allowed me to heal parts of our relationship where I think I had I held a lot of resentment about her um, and the way that she brought me up, like 
being able to see her as a sexual person with her own sexual trauma and her own sexual shame enabled me to give her some compassion and be like, yo, she, she's going through the same shit that I'm going through, you know, like just in a different, uh, just in a different generation. So yeah, it's, it's been really cool to, to be, I guess, a, a person that people know that they can come to, um, to talk about sex. Yeah. You're essentially a conduit to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. That That must feel so great. Yeah, it does. And it also, I mean, it, it, it has its challenges because I'm a chronic caretaker. So it's very easy for me to be like, oh, you're having sexual dysfunctional problems. Let me heal you. Let me help you. <laughs> so along the way, I've had to learn how to create healthy boundaries around me and my clients and the people who are in my DMs and my inbox being like, I'm having this really life like altering experience about sex and sexuality. Can I please tell you my whole life story? Um, I, it's as great as it is for me to be a conduit of healing and, and particularly sexual healing, sometimes I need that space and that time to just be like, okay, I'm shutting it down. Like I need mm-hmm. to take care of myself and, and focus on me and what's going on in my body and my sexual journey. Well, I didn't even think about that. I'm, I'm sure that that also comes with the other side too. Oh, so yeah, that's definitely. important. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Throughout this whole journey, this everything, just learning about yourself and relating to others, is there one message that you have come up with that you've put together in your mind that you wish you could tell the world? Mm. I think I think what I would tell the world is more of a question, um, because in the work that I do. I never try to put myself on a pedestal of being like, I'm the one that has all the answers. Like, I think it's really important to give people permission to do this work on their own and um, be led by their own inner voice and inner wisdom. So I, I prefer to ask questions. I prefer to give people space to ask themselves those questions. And I guess the one question that I would have people start to ask is who do you want to be as a sexual being um and when you think about your sexual beingness like what comes up what blocks are coming up um what has hindered you from that kind of expression um i think asking that question was one of the most transformative questions that i could ask myself about my own journey because it led me to doing the work that i'm doing today around healing sexual baggage, sexual trauma, um, just being able to be like, whoa, okay, if I were to see myself as a sexual being, who do I want to be? Like, how do I want my sex life to look like? How do I want my sexual expression to show up in the world? And then the other question is like, okay, what, what things are holding me back from that? Like, why am I not able, or why do I feel like I'm, I don't have access to these parts of myself? Um, yeah, I think those, those are questions that lead almost every session that I have with my clients. And, um, I think it's just a really great starting point to doing some work around this without being like, okay, so how are we going to fix it? Cause I mean, that can be, that can be really challenging to access, you know, like figuring out a solution when you're not even quite sure what the problem is. So yeah, I think starting, starting with asking, who are you as a sexual being? Um, and even if you can't, even if like you're thinking right now, like, I don't even know who that person is. I don't think I am a sexual being. 
I would reframe the question and have that question be, if I were a sexual being, if I were able to access my sexuality in a free way, in a way that made me feel safe, in a way that made me feel really, really good, what would that expression look like? I think that would be a, another question to ask. Amazing. Amazing. I'm <laughs> just in awe of your mind. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that many people are going to want to follow you and learn more about your work. Can you tell them where they can find you? Yeah, so they can find me on my website, sexloveliberation.com. Um, on that website, you can find everything you need to know about me, about the work that I do. Um, there are little tabs you can click that will take you to the page where you can find out about my private sessions. Um, there's also another tab that will tell you about the classes that I'm teaching and the courses that I lead. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm spending a lot of time there, probably way too much time, um, but I'm kind of treating that as like a journal of sorts because I I actually haven't been writing all that much these days. I've been focusing on client work and I've been focusing on my podcast. So um, I'm kind of using Instagram these days as like mini blogs uh, with pictures. So they can find me on Instagram at evian.whitney. Amazing. Thank you so much for this lovely conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun. Well, guys, that was my chat with Evian. I hope you all really liked it. I personally went ahead and ordered all the books that she recommended because obviously she knows what she's talking about and I'm ready to learn more about myself and how I am truly not because of any way that society has dictated me to act or be, you know? So if you want to follow Evian, you can do so by heading to Instagram and following Evian, E-V-Y-A-N dot Whitney and heading to her website, sexloveliberation.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we will chat next week. That was this week's episode. I really hope you all enjoyed it. If there's anything you'd like to chat about, send an email to cat at catlantigua.com, and I will make sure to get back to you. You can keep up with me in between episodes by following cat.lantigua on Instagram and heading to catlantigua.com to opt in to receive my weekly newsletters. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm sending you all lots of love, light, and good vibes. We'll chat next week.